0: Oh blimey, I've pitted and there's a red flag. Oh blimey, oh no! That's my George Russell. Oh no, my teammate's attacking me. Hello, I'm Arfa. I'm in the UK,
1: and I'm Mohammed, and I'm in the US.
0: And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop, the international Formula One podcast by fans for fans all around the world. My name is Arafa, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Muhammad. Say hi, Muhammad. Hi, Muhammad. How are you today?
1: Uh, I'm good. It's very early in the morning for me, which I think is a recurring theme for this race weekend.
0: Yeah. What? How? What time did you watch it?
1: One a.m.
0: did you? Go to sleep first or just stay awake?
1: No, I stayed awake. So, for our listeners who may not know, it is the holy month of Ramadan, uh, which is a very important time for Muslims because we sleep all day and eat all night, which means I was awake for it anyway.
0: Nice. Well, <laughs> unlike you, um, I have to be awake in the daytime anyway. It's so my intention. Do you know what I was thinking about back at university? I. I used to watch every single practice session. I used to go around to my friend Fessel's house or his flat. um, And he had Sky, so he used to put it on for me and he used to go to sleep. And I used to watch practice in Australia at like 1 a.m., go to sleep, wake up, watch the next session at 5 (laughs) a.m. I used to think it was amazing just seeing the cars and stuff. Whereas now, having two kids that wake up various yeah. points through the night and at 6 a.m i was yeah. fully ready to just miss the entire thing
1: <laughs> and
0: then for whatever reason i woke up and caught the whole race and watched it with the kids so Incredible. that was quite fun speaking of kids i have something to play for you okay um so i do you, do you know that series of books big big ideas yeah, yeah little yeah, people big, big, big ideas yes
1: yeah, so i just okay i, th- I think i bought it for myself but yeah okay yeah, say yeah. what you're going to say.
0: <laughs> so your your sister, yeah. um, Asma, gave us Coco Chanel and Marie Curie. Yeah. So we've been buying a few extra ones and we've got Ayrton Senna now. <laughs>
1: you're, you're like, I didn't like those ones, so I'm buying another no, other no. One. <laughs> My daughter loves them. She really, she okay, really likes okay. them. Yeah. But
0: we just bought more. Um, yeah. And I got Ayrton Senna. Okay. Uh, and while I was reading it to her last night, I, yeah. I recorded a little bit of it on my phone, and I thought I'd play it to you because it's quite funny. Oh,
1: this is going to be supremely cute. Okay, play Let's it. Wait for Formula One.
2: Maybe his first it. team
0: was not the oh. bookie's favorite, but Ayrton was ready to give the leading racer some competition. One of them was a French driver called Alain Prost.
2: Alain Prost. That's right. Alain Prost.
0: He and Ayrton got along as well as a cat and a dog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I like her weird little laugh at the end. <laughs> I
1: that? like her repeating everything. That's so cute, mashallah. Yeah, good, but good she recognizes
0: her. people in the thing. She got Alan Prost, Ayrton Senna, Cat, Dog.
1: So I forgot that a Senna one was out, but I just bought myself the Lewis Hamilton one. Which came oh, out is there a earlier. Lewis Hamilton one? Yeah, it came out in March, uh, like like a couple of weeks ago, like two weeks ago. So I just bought it for myself. It's um very excited to read it when it comes.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. We should do like a... Maybe we should do like a kid's story time with these books. If people <gasps> are interested, let us know. I'll read it out in my like story time voice and we'll get uh, yeah. the kid's live reaction to them.
1: Yeah, that's a, You that's can do really it with good. small people in your I know vicinity, because I have small people, people. You have small also, people too. Yes. Oh my God. Okay, great. Amazing. Okay.
0: Fine. Excellent. <laughs> should we get into the news? Yes. So... Sprint weekend format changes. F1 is working on changing the format of sprint weekends with the proposed second qualifying session exclusively for the Saturday race. So they'd have qualifying on Friday to so the people that paid tickets and went for Friday. That's the qualifying for Sunday. And then on Saturday morning, you qualify for the sprint race. And then on Saturday, you have the sprint race. Um, apparently, some details need to be ironed out, but they might introduce this format as soon as the next race in Azerbaijan. What do you think?
1: I I think it's I think it's good. I think this is how it should be because like yeah, the, when they introduced sprint and they said the grid will be set by the result in the sprint, Dislike. I think everybody was like, what does that mean? You know? Yeah. And like everyone was like, so what? The are you on pole if you win the race? You're not the race winner, and if you're in quality, then you're not on pole. It was just so weird, and they tried to fix Ooh. it. And honestly, this way is better. And then they get that extra session now qualifying where they can. Um, see the cars on one lap pace, so I think yeah. they needed that too. So I think this is just better. I I'm still on the fence whether sprint races are good for the sport or not. I I'm still leaning towards that they're not. And you know what? Like we're we'll getting into. This later, I'm leaning
0: but... the other way. I quite like them.
1: Okay, tell me.
0: So uh, to me, it's just more time racing. I'd I'd rather watch a sprint race than yeah. a practice session. Okay. Um, and you think about things like Brazil, mm-hmm. 2021. Where Lewis Mm -hmm. went from like last to first challenge. And um, I suppose if you have two qualifying sessions, you won't have that. The things that I want Mm -hmm. them to decide about and iron out before they release this is if you get a pole position for the sprint qualifying, Mm. in your statistics, does that count as you having a pole or is a sprint pole different?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? That's gonna be a big deal.
0: Because, you know, in terms of records and things, like yeah. schumacher has so many poles senna has so many poles all of that stuff so i just i wonder about that um to me though the old format or the format that we know it just felt like the race was longer it was 20 percent longer we watched a bit of it they did a red flag and then they yeah. started on the next day that's that's how it felt to yeah. me so yeah. it was just more racing i i was fine
1: with it well, I like the idea of more racing, but I guess for me, the sprint race is like you get the excitement of the beginning of the race. And then right when the strategy portion of the race would start to kick in, the race ends. And so I always thought that it got really boring uh, with the exception of a couple of them. It, ten- it tended to get boring after the yeah. first couple laps. So I was going to say one of the nice things about this race, Australia, is we got to see what like a super sprint race would be like with only yes. three laps. And I actually think the sprint races should only be three, lap, three laps, mad dashes to the end. Yeah, yeah. Because like, and you know, don't enable DRS. Like, yeah. just let it be a fight. Because okay, how fun would that be? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's how I feel. Like, I think they should go even shorter. But I, I don't think the racing drivers would maybe like that idea.
0: Well, we'll see when we get to Azerbaijan what they've decided. And oh, I forgot. News-
1: I forgot it's a sprint race weekend. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. So in other news, uh, Joe Sayward is reporting someone called Craig Pollock, who previously worked at BAR and left Formula One in 2007, has been working on a stealth project as a CEO, according to his LinkedIn page, since 2018. Nice. This seems to be something called Formula Equal. And he's apparently speaking to the Saudi government for funding. The only reason I brought this up was because I thought it was so funny. The episode we did where we said, look, let's say we're an eccentric billionaire and we're going to make our own Formula One team. What would we do? And we both joked, we'd go to the Saudi government. And then I found out that I thought they were just sponsors, but um, the Saudi government have like a big stake in the McLaren team, which is why Neom's advertised on them. Plus they have a stake in Aston
1: Martin as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So um, the Saudi government is like trying to slowly take over Formula One.
1: Yeah, no, they are, and I think I was saying on that episode that they are literally trying to take their like, uh, part of the country where they're doing sports. I don't know. I think it's in Jeddah, but they're trying to take that and they're trying to turn it into the new like F one team yeah. valley. You know, like yeah. the way like Silverstone. Yeah. So, I I think it makes perfect sense. Let's go get in on that Saudi money before it runs out. You know. But wait, is this guy Craig Pollock? Is he like trying to make a new team or a new series? Because yeah. Formula new team, Equal new team. Called Formula Equal.
0: So that's just a holding company, like the mm. name on paper. The team, once he gets the thing, he could call it whatever he wanted.
1: So I think because the FIA opened up the process of looking at new teams. So now it's fair game to anyone, including Andretti. So I think that all, like we could, if we had the money, submit a team. I'm curious to see how many teams they actually will sub, like accept into the fold. You know, I
0: cleaned the kitchen drawer yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. and i found at the back of the kitchen drawer 2 pounds yeah. in cash
1: that's it we got this
0: so if you have a little bit more yeah i think we could make this happen
1: Look, well, it's not look i have i have some cash here right i'm going to count it in front of you it's just cash that's been on my desk all right so there's a, a 5 us dollars
0: i mean you've doubled our money already a 1 at this us rate.
1: dollar <laughs> And another one. So I have seven U.S. dollars I found that have been sitting on my desk. Great. For So there you go. Plus you're two pounds. And who knows what that costs in your hyperinflation yeah. economy. Maybe about 40 <laughs> cents. But listen, look, when we if we follow your plan, you came up with a Formula One team that was completely cost neutral. Yeah. You didn't have to put any money into exactly. it. So we're good.
0: Yes. <laughs> um, in other news. Yeah, I'm saying this here because I don't know where else to deal with this madness. But Michael Massey was back in the paddock. And the bit <laughs> that I found the funniest about this was how ah. much it upset Ted Kravitz. <laughs> so um, he was saying Michael Massey, the ex race director, has been in the paddock for the first time since that fateful day in December 2021. Yeah. He's been saying hello to drivers. He hasn't been saying hello to any Mercedes people. Yeah, And then he went on to go, I don't really. Well, I do want to get into it. You know, I do, but I won't what's he doing in Australia? He's in charge of the V8 supercars, the Australian touring cars now. But what's he doing coming back into the Formula One paddock? Um, and then he went <laughs> on to say, there are some rumours that Formula One want him back because current race director Niels Vittich needs some help on the FIA uh, race direction side.
1: Uh, throw up.
0: So maybe we'll circle back to this at the end of the episode. Initially, yeah. I was like, this man should not be anywhere near F1. Um, and then the more I thought about it, because... Uh, What's his face? Crofty was like, Ted, you have to remember he's a human being and like stop bullying him. Um, (laughs) And I was like, well, he did screw up. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, ever since they removed Massey from the equation. Yeah. The confusion over rules and errors and controversy has not ended, Mm -hmm. which makes me feel like he was just a symptom of the larger disease.
1: Well, so I have two things I want to say. Number one He is fair game to bully until he apologizes for making that mistake. Because you can remember, we said this right when it happened. You can make mistakes at your job. We are all human. We're going to make mistakes. But it's about owning up to the mistake and acknowledging the damages that it's done. That's the main thing. And he hasn't done that.
0: Conspiracy theory time. Okay. What if, and I suspect this is what's happened. The FIA has gagged him with some non-disclosure situation and said, you are not allowed to talk about oh. this. You are not allowed to apologize because if you apologize, mm. you accept blame. And then that leaves us open to some sort of legal jeopardy from Mercedes.
1: Yeah, I guess that's fair. It's fair to, to make that point. Cause I was going to say, the other thing I was going to say is, um, I think that you know being race director is a lot harder than it seems because after yeah. Michael Masi was fired, what's his name? Eduardo Freitas was also fired this year. He was fired for yeah. Japan. My, bringing my, the... my
0: point is that I think he's totally innocent. I think he's like Darth Vader. And actually we're okay. keeping our eyes off the yeah. Emperor when we're getting so obsessed with him, if that makes Who's sense. Who's the Emperor?
1: The entire system? The whole
0: system? FIA system, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe. I mean, I think I, I think even a vague, you know, apology would would go. Even if he maybe privately apologize to Lewis or something, I think that would go a long yeah. way into repairing his reputation. But I, I see your point. I, I I also no longer believe him to be this like insidious indi- individual who wanted Red Bull to win the championship, which a lot of people thought he specifically wanted them to win. I don't think that's the case anymore either.
0: Shall we get into the race? Before we get into the race, I just want to quickly talk about qualifying. There wasn't much to say apart from Perez went out very very early. Yeah. And this was a little bit of a shame because we didn't talk about this in our last episode. But I find the relationship between Verstappen and Perez really bizarre. I know Verstappen is much younger than him, mm. but he really gives off vibes of the older sibling who doesn't want the new kid around. Mm. And yeah, it's bizarre how venomous Verstappen can be towards Perez
1: yeah I was thinking about the whole thing with Monaco last year yeah. I don't know it's so bizarre to me because even if we take two steps back and look at Daniel Ricardo and Max Verstappen Daniel Ricardo felt that he deserved to be the number one driver at Red Bull maybe rightly so at the time because Who was he competing against before Max? It was Daniel Kvyat. He was probably a better driver than him. Then Max comes in and, you know, he defeats Daniel, so to speak. Daniel leaves. Now Max is the undisputed number one driver. And it's been that way for so long. Perez comes in in 2021. He's like, yeah, I'm the number two driver. I'm trying to help Max win his first championship. Then last year, you know, Max just runs away with it. Then this year Perez says I have a chance, so he wants to push a little bit more. He wants to be, you know, what Botas was to Lewis, where he's like, I'm gonna try and and push. And I don't know why Verstappen is so off-putted to that idea. I don't know why he's like, no, this team is my team, and that's you know, that's it. And I for a long time didn't even believe the Monaco thing was real. Uh, I think it's real now. I think that was probably the beginning of this whole thing was Perez Mm. saying, I'm gonna crash out just so I can uh, advantage myself a little bit so i can just get that edge on max and i think it's been building from there but yeah. it's just it's just so bizarre to me i don't know well how do these inter-team dynamics like how do how do these fights even happen can you break that down for me
0: yeah so i wonder yeah if the way verstappen behaves is that how you need to behave to be a world champion because I, I I'm thinking about an interview that David Coulthard gave and he was a teammate to Mika Hakkinen and t- yeah. while they were together Mika Hakkinen won two world championships
1: yeah
0: and he was saying you know whenever we had an incident crash whatever
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mika could never accept anything was his fault he couldn't even accept 50-50 yeah he would just ne- he, w- he was always like no David is in the wrong yeah and he, goes, he just had this mentality that he was always right and I was the bad guy in the situation. And then David Coulthard, he ended that part of the interview by saying, but, you know, maybe that's why he's a two-time world champion and I don't have any. Mm -hmm. And I I wonder, is it this sort of competitive thing? Because we we think about it as a team sport, but there's an individual element.
1: Yeah, but counterpoint, Lewis and Valtteri are on really good terms now and Valtteri always attempted to take the fight to Lewis at least for the first third of the season in 2019-2020. Um so it's it's possible to not hit your teammate, you know.
0: Yeah, but I don't think Lewis felt aggrieved by Bottas, you know. Yeah rosberg openly talks about the mind games that he used to play with lewis leaving poos in the toilet locking the door so that lewis couldn't get out cooking meat outside his window because he's vegan um and then he like rosberg invented that new type of glove with the stitching that he said Mm -hmm. gave him up to 0.2 seconds quicker start Mm -hmm. and didn't tell lewis about it and lewis only cottoned on like three four races later Mm -hmm. Uh, and so Rosberg was like, yeah, but you see those four races. I got a quicker start than him off the line for all mm-hmm. those races. And there was a lot of mind games going on. And I think those sort of things bother drivers more. So for Stappen thinking Perez is doing weird mind games. He stopped in Monaco yeah. on purpose, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That will create tension more than actual. Like Lewis seems to be perfectly amicable with George, despite the fact, you know, George will sometimes get better results, qualify better, but I think there's not yeah. this feeling of mind games going on.
1: But, you know, I think part of it is also that it seems like Christian Horner and the team don't really like... I mean, they they definitely don't like Perez as much as they like Verstappen. Because even this yeah. weekend, we were talking about Quali, right? So Quali, he's going into that turn. I don't remember what turn it is. It's the same one Verstappen went off on. But he keeps going off over and over again. And people are saying that, um, you know, maybe one time you could say it was a mistake. But consistently making that mistake, it's not him it's likely the car and he's complaining about his downshifts and then they ask christian horner so what's going on with the car is it a reliability issue and he responds with uh yeah i think it might be more of a driver thing but we'll go back in the garage and take a look at it and that was his response he didn't really take prez aside and i'm almost like maybe the entire team is more inclined towards than ricardo you know what i watched um they put out this video with Daniel Ricardo, Max Verstappen, and uh Perez like reviewing Australian slang or something. And I watched it. And Perez and Ver and, and Ricardo, I mean not Perez, Verstappen and Ricardo have much better chemistry uh even now, even years after they've been teammates than Perez and Verstappen do. Yeah. So I really wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, this whole thing Perez is trying to make his stake in the team to prove that he should be there next year. And I think the team maybe is starting to think we're ready for a B level driver. Who's just there to support or step And Ricardo is at his point in the career where he's like, yeah, that's fine. I'll do that. I just want to get yeah. the car. Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe, maybe, maybe should we get into the race?
1: Oh yeah. There was a race. I say that every time, but yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we have a voice on
2: you from the Easter bunny. Yes, farm. Listen to the I'm uh, really um, disappointed again with yeah. the officiating in this uh, season so far. Really, really bad calls all around. Uh, Screwed over Russell, who, um, you know, obviously none of us really like, but probably deserve to have a cunning strategy victory. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be consistent. I think consistency is important in your positions. Uh, Basically, all races should end as races and racing. And there was no reason that they couldn't have done another standing start. They really should have. There's no guarantee the standing starts have to be carnage. It's obviously how all races start. And yeah, just hugely disappointed. I think this was a chance we could have actually seen Fernando's 101st podium be a win, as is prophesized. Or at least seen Lewis take the win, given how badly the road girls had been starting recently. So uh, yeah, three for three in terms of uh, disappointing officiating so far. Uh, a timid and an unconfident FIA that uh, doesn't know what to do with itself, I think.
1: Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. So I'm going to very quickly recap the race yeah. as best as I can because a lot happened. <laughs> I and was going to say,
1: I know we don't typically do race recaps, but I think this episode... This we one, need we a need to just... Recap. Just yeah.
0: so that it can sort of set the context for our yeah. chat after. So... It was kind of in three parts. Part one, the start, Russell got ahead of Verstappen. Hamilton got aggressive and got ahead of Verstappen too. Verstappen was very upset about that move. We'll talk about that later. And then after a few laps, Albin crashed into a wall. Fair to him. He apologized um, to the team and took responsibility for it. But the safety car came out. Russell pitted and Hamilton, Verstappen stayed out. But then a red flag came out, which disadvantaged Russell, because suddenly he's down the the order and everyone else gets to change their tires anyway.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And then Russell's car decides to set itself on fire. Oh, no. Part two, Magnussen hits the wall and another red flag is called because there's gravel on the track or something. Um, At the restart, Hamilton and Verstappen get through fine, but everything goes crazy behind them. Sainz hits Alonso, who spins... Perez is off the track, and I don't know why. Why has he gone on an excursion into the (laughs) sun? Logan Sargent decides he doesn't want to break and just takes out DeVries. Gasly goes off the track, and when he rejoins, he has a massive speed difference to the car behind, who he doesn't see, and unfortunately, is his teammate. So both Alpines take each other out. And then there was like an hour wait, trying to work out what's going on and work (laughs) out, do we restart the race? Do we not restart the race? What order do we restart it in? Um, And some people thought this was just FIA clownship. Some people Mm -hmm. thought this was really enjoyable. Um, And some people on our Twitter commented that it was both. How did you feel about it?
1: There's a lot going on. Um, There's so much. But I I actually don't think it was FIA clownship in the second half. Well, okay, hold on. So there's three red flags, right? The first one with the gravel on the track. Uh, that was when Albon went off. I I think that one was the one that maybe wasn't necessarily warranted. Mm. I think they could have done it under safety car. Uh, and I feel like, you know, remember I I asked you this, I don't remember if it was last year or two years ago, but I asked you like, you know, when do they need to take a red flag out? Is it when they have to repair the barriers? And you said, well, it really depends on the race director because they can do a lot of things under the safety car. So I really think they could have cleaned up the gravel under the safety Mm. car. So I think that one was probably not warranted. I think the second one, when all the cars went off and crashed, was probably warranted. Um, I think that red flag, even though people were annoyed by it, I think when you have multiple incidents like that, it was definitely... All over the place, yeah, because there's things to clear
0: up everywhere. Exactly. that one made a lot more sense because there was like six cars taken out
1: and then nobody can blame them for the third one well that, that's i guess i'm referring about the third one nobody can blame them for the third one because just because you have a standing start does not mean everyone is going to crash into each other i don't know what happened there i don't know why everyone decided to crash into each other it should not have gone that way so the third one i don't think anyone can blame them for i forgot what uh caused the second one was it magnuson and yeah his, magnuson hitting the wall I think that was a little bit more reasonable too because I think the tra- the car was in such a place that it would have been very difficult to remove it. It was like right no, in the but middle. But they could still the-
0: do it under safety car just slow down. But this- oh, 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 oh,
1: you know what? You know I take it, I take back what I said. That was the one where they didn't want to end the car under a safety car. They yeah. wanted to continue racing. So I exactly. think that was unreasonable. I think the first two red flags yeah. were unreasonable. The third one was reasonable. So yeah. I I'm, I'm not going to so say that, it was a Yeah.
0: That first one, we don't know was there a problem with the barrier or not, fine, whatever. The second one, I, I again, I think, like you said, it was done because they wanted to end racing. They didn't want to yeah, end yeah. the race behind the safety car. And yeah. the, the headline on BBC Sport was a dramatic, bizarre Grand Prix with echoes of Abu Dhabi. And yeah. this is the thing about trying to prioritize entertainment and this whole thing of, oh, there's an agreement, we want to end under racing. Yeah. Well, in trying to do that, you've created a situation where we ended under a parade lap yeah. with fans running onto the track trying to get themselves killed.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: so it's okay for a race to end under the safety car.
1: I just want to say two things real quick. The first one is, uh well three things. It's definitely okay for a race to end under a safety car and I think that we as fans are not used to this new concept that they are trying to push which is we can't end under a safety car. That's mm. the first thing. The second thing I want to say is uh had that been like at Austin last year when I went to the race I would have definitely been one of those fans part of the track <laughs> because I would—I was just so eager to get to the podium. I was like yeah. crawling under fences, like jumping over the crash barrier, doing whatever I could to get to the podium. And I was not keeping in my head tr- in track that the fact that there's going to be a cool lap. Like the only reason in real life that I missed the cool lap in Austin is because I was too scared to jump down the 15-foot drop from the pit yeah. stands onto the track. That was the only reason why. But yeah, I would have definitely been on the track and then I would have almost died. So that's two. The last thing I want to say real quick is, you know, you're talking about echoes of Abu Dhabi. This race had literally every potential way Abu Dhabi could have ended. You could have red flagged it. You could have done a parade lap with a rolling start. You could have done, like, it was just so many different permutations of how Formula One could have gone all in one race, which I just think is so funny. And at the race that Michael Massey was there, yeah he was there to make it happen (laughs) yeah
0: i've just made a meme that i'm sending to you on your whatsapp you can have a look at
1: where attach photo and uh yeah we'll post this so everybody else can look at it because uh this is an audio only podcast
0: there you go you can enjoy that
1: (laughs) (laughs) keep calm and let the race end under a safety car Wow, very 2010 meme of you, but yes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So the talking points of the race. So one, Verstappen getting upset about the rules and saying Hamilton was too aggressive. Whatever, get over yourself. I'm not even discussing that because it's just such nonsense. Um, Two, was this enjoyable or a difficult race? So I really enjoyed it. One, because I thought I was going to miss it. Two, um, because in all that chaos, even the last part, where we didn't even go back to racing. Yeah. One, I'm glad the race winner wasn't decided in some committee room. Yeah. So we knew Verstappen was it, because basically Verstappen and Hamilton got ahead, and then carnage happened behind them, right? Mm -hmm. So we knew Verstappen was the winner, regardless of how they wanted to restart, not restart, whatever. Mm -hmm. We knew Verstappen was the winner. It's fine. And that wasn't decided in the committee room. So I was fine (laughs) with that. Lewis got second place, which I think all things considered was a very good result. Mm -hmm. Um, and because he got through safely, I was happy. Yeah. So then on a personal level, I didn't really care what happened next. And I know a lot of people are Mercedes fans. And I keep saying this. I'm not a Mercedes fan. I'm a Lewis fan. For <laughs> me to see George on fire, I was like, good. This means Lewis is ahead of him in the constructors. I'm fine with that. I'm happy with it.
1: Yeah. It
0: did make me a little bit tense because I was like, oh, maybe Lewis is at risk of being on fire as well. But <laughs> yeah. he wasn't. It's all fine. Um. But yeah, so I enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it?
1: I did enjoy uh, the entire race. I I was not. I think if I was a Ferrari fan, I would have been extremely upset and disappointed mm. and crying my eyes out. Which you know. Side note: Carlos Sainz saying having the balls and the gall to say that this is the most unfair penalty I've seen in my entire life because it dropped him from fifth to out of the points in one race for an accident he actually caused. Versus only uh, two years ago, we had Lewis Hamilton losing an entire championship through no fault of his own. Like, (laughs) but I will say (laughs) him and Charles now both have two moments of extreme pain that we can listen to. Charles going, no, which is just like full of pain. And then I really felt the pain in, in Carlos when he went, please, 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 please. I really felt the pain. So Ferrari pain keeps going excellent but yes you i see friend's
0: response to it he was what like he say? last race it took them like three hours to try and work out if Alonso <laughs> was inside the grid starting box or not but it yeah. took some 30 seconds to decide that carlos deserves a penalty
1: <laughs> when it's your team it's okay when it's my team it's not okay <laughs> yeah. um i i agree with you i for the most part i was I was not, I mean, the only thing that made me a little bit upset is if there was no penalty for Carlos, then Alonso is off the podium and Mercedes is second in the championship. Mm. But I was happy with the fact that, yeah, Lewis is going to finish above George. He's going to finish above Charles, above Mm. Carlos, above all these people. uh, And so he's now P4 in the championship, which I think is Mm. good. Um, But yeah, he was safe in in second place. I, yeah, I I wasn't as stressed about it, but now I'm, I'm wondering, let's talk about Mercedes reliability. Is this a recurring problem? Mercedes has famously good reliability. We said they were going to keep collecting points every race because both drivers would finish. And then the very next race, one driver yeah, didn't happens, yeah. So, yeah. So what do you think?
0: Um, Who knows? Australia is a hot place. Maybe there was some sort of weird, rabid koala stuck in his engine or something. Um, <laughs> I don't know if it's a recurring problem. We'll just have to wait and see what yeah. I hope it does mean is that George yeah. will have to take an engine penalty at some point, and Lewis doesn't. Um, so that would be fun.
1: The uh, way I shouted in joy when George boxed and then there was a red flag, <laughs> I could not believe it. I was so happy. I was like, finally, Lewis got some good safety car luck and George oh, is blimey. out of it. I've pitted and there's a red flag. Oh, me! Oh, no. And he can't, even bl- he can't even blame anyone because, you know, what, what was George doing in the beginning? Yeah. I'm being attacked by my teammate. You know how you said Verstappen's thing was nonsense? Yeah. That was complete utter total oh, nonsense. No. It was the, attacking me. It was the fourth lap of the race. I'm being yeah. told to manage, but I'm being why are you being told to manage on the fourth lap of the race, buddy? Yeah. I don't know. I you know you're talking about Verstappen and Perez. I really get the feeling that George is not interested in playing the team game, and I don't think he ever really has been interested in playing the team game in Yeah, but he's young history. and
0: hungry. Like to play devil's advocate. I get it. He's got to do the right thing for him and his career and try and take as many wins and whatever, really establish himself. It's because we're old now and we can't empathize with the youth anymore. But once upon a time, I remember Lewis Hamilton doing this to Alonso and I was fully supporting Lewis in doing it. So right, it's just, enough. it's the circle of life. Go blimey, me, my car's on fire. Um
1: you said your Harry Potter impression, is George no, Russell Harry George Russell. Potter? That's my George Russell.
0: <laughs> But um, another thing that I found yeah. funny about the FIA's like incompetence of knowing their own rules. So yeah, the the, the other thing about signs is penalty is Logan Sargent just randomly attacked Devries. Yeah. Like
1: no no penalty for him. no
0: penalty like that's fine whatever. Um, yeah. but yeah, there was confusion <clears throat> over what order they were supposed to start in, and Haas put in a protest and said because the rule says you go back to the last reference points. There's there's an yeah. acknowledgement that the GPS can be unreliable yeah so they say the last reference point so the race director went back to the last reference point which was the starting grid yeah but apparently everyone crossed the safety car 2 line Mm -hmm. and so Haas argued we should have used that as a reference instead and if that had been used Hulkenberg would have been (laughs) 8th rather than ninth, and other people that would have been affected um Gasly would have been fourth instead of fifth and only norris would have been in the points i think it would have been eighth and piastri wouldn't so apparently this is technically possible but they came out with a protest and said um the response was we're dismissing this you're sort of technically correct but the race director had to make a decision under high pressure so okay bye so,
1: <laughs> so it's just the whole thing
0: just looked amateur and farcical I remember putting out a tweet at one point that just said this is the mm-hmm. pinnacle of motorsport I saw someone else put out a tweet that said how are clubs supposed to regulate races if Formula One the, the top flight seems to be so disorganized and have no idea what it's doing yeah. how can like minor club races and amateur people regulate themselves as well yeah. Um, so yeah, the whole thing was just a bit of a joke,
1: but you know, like, it doesn't make sense to me that they went to the order at the starting grid and that they basically made it like that lap didn't happen for a couple of reasons. I, I was listening to checkered flag podcast and I think it was Jack Aitken was saying that, oh, they'd have access to the micro sectors, but the micro sectors aren't accurate because what if somebody's in the process of an overtake? Uh, would you, you know, put that person ahead, even if they're not going to make the overtake stick, you don't know. But at the same time, as soon as they crash and everything happened, the cars did shuffle into a grid, like they are into an order. You know, like mm. Alonso was eleventh, Stroll was twelfth. Like mm. there was like an there was an order to it. So I don't know why they couldn't just keep that order. And they, that. Yeah, but it's and- to do
0: with when you have a red flag. Because I remember what was that race in Brazil a long time ago, where it ended under a red flag or something, and they gave the mm. cup to the wrong winner, and the mm. next race Raikkonen had to revert give it to Jordan because you have to count back a certain amount um so the count back thing is real it's just it should be transparent quick efficient and make sense to everyone yeah not people debating oh well you could count back to the safety car two line oh you could go back to this line oh you could do it like this instead it should just be one thing that everyone goes and some people will get lucky with it some people will get unlucky but all of us just know the rule is x and that's what they'll apply
1: yeah. Well, um, that's not what happened, but <laughs> I, I feel like there should be a rule that no, like if a red flag is called within the last three laps of the race, then the race is just ended. It will not resume. And I say that because like, you know, when you we were looking, you know how I said the the third red flag was warranted because you had six different car crashes. Mm. But at the same time, it put us in this position now where the formation lap would have been the final lap of the race. And the- there was just this rolling start parade yeah. situation that nobody liked. I feel like they should have just ended the race because now yeah. we know that's a possibility. And anytime a red flag is called in the final three laps, that will always be a possibility. So mm. to get around that, they should just end the race. Um, but yeah, what yeah. did you think of the cars race paces to each other? Ferrari versus Mercedes versus Aston versus Red Bull?
0: Um, I think if you ignore uh, Red Bull, yeah, everyone's pretty close. It's quite good.
1: So there's two things I want to talk to you about. One is Red Bull being extremely powerful with their DRS, uh, and two being is Mercedes now properly ahead of Ferrari and competing only with Aston Martin. So yes. with Red Bull's DRS, is that like is that something specific to their car? Is that something? Do you think that the FIA should step in and slow down necessarily? What well, What do you think? You know. Well, so I don't because- want
0: the FIA to be able to come in and slow people down. What I want yeah. is. I don't know how you achieve this, but I want a system where other people can catch up quickly. So you go, look, Red Bull's got this amazing thing. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well, we'll wait till 2024, 2026. 20, yeah. We'll try and compete yeah. then. I want the situation to be Red Bull's got this amazing thing. They've got an advantage now for the next four, five, six races, yeah. but other teams might be able to catch up. Now, how yeah. do you balance that with the cost cap and not spending huge amounts of money to catch up? I don't know, but yeah. that would be my ideal scenario.
1: Yeah. Okay. And then how would you balance Mercedes now? Do you feel like the fight for P2 is really just Aston Martin and Mercedes and not Ferrari, so to speak?
0: Um, yeah, I think Ferrari, I don't think they're completely out of it. I think they're sort of lost a bit at the minute and they need to organize and sort themselves out. I can imagine, you know, the second half of the season, it being a three-way fight
1: mm-hmm.
0: for P2 between the three of them. Cause I think Ferrari do have the potential, yeah. but right now too many things are just going wrong.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess that's fair. It's just been two races now where Ferrari has not been able to, to catch Mercedes, but there are a couple other things I wanted to share with you. I, this race may be really nostalgic. Cause I used to remember Lewis and Max starting on the front row back in 2020. Yeah. People used to say, like, oh, as soon as they start, they're off in the distance. Some are fighting. They're- yeah. And, you know, within, like, two laps, they're already three that seconds happens. ahead of the rest of the field fighting yeah. position. And I was like, ah, it feels so good to watch that. I also yeah. really enjoyed watching Lewis say for the first time in a year, like, complaining about his tires, the hards won't last till the end, the hards won't last till the end, and then setting his fastest We <laughs> haven't seen that in so long. I just loved it. I I loved
0: it. Amazing.
1: Yeah. Anything else in the race that you really stuck out to?
0: Um, The only other thing I was going to add is uh, it sounds weird, but I'm a little bit disappointed. McLaren scored points because I thought (laughs) it would be really funny if they went through the whole year without scoring any points and having a million sponsors.
1: Yeah, Um, somebody said it's like. uh, Somebody said it's like last to best of the rest speed run in one race, which I think was fun. Yeah, Yeah.
0: (laughs) very good. Right, so shall we leave it there and?
1: yeah so, so i think we have from baku. we have three to four weeks until baku and so i think what me and arfat will do is we'll do another episode in a couple weeks where we talk about our f1 fantasy just to update we won't do it this early yeah but uh yeah there's a lot that happened with the australian grand prix um be sure to send us your thoughts for baku and maybe for that episode as well if you want to share your thoughts uh mm-hmm. speakpipe.com slash slow pit stop we'll put on our twitter um anything else from you arfat
0: no, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you soon. Bye Bye
1: Oh, slow It's a slow This has been a production for Not that Good Media.